You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. Hooray! Delicious Volume 1, Life Tastes Good, is finally at Amazon United States. What is delicious, you ask? Imagine a land where all your favorite foods live as human girls. Here in charming a la carte, under the floating city of heavenly delight, we meet Ramen, a young cook trying to run a restaurant with her family of pastas as they end up in all sorts of wacky adventures and hijinks as these strong, eccentric characters pursue their dreams and passions. Delicious is a beautifully drawn comedy series, which is now finally available to buy in the United States. Click on the banner on one of us, order today, and join in the fun now, because Delicious Volume 2, Yum Yum Yum, is coming really soon. A perfect gift for your child, or those of you who are forever young at heart. One of us strongly recommends this one. Guys, 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 did you know that there's a sequel to the 1983 classic A Christmas Story? Did you guys know that? Did you? You think this is a trap? Well, you are right, because that sequel is called My Summer Story, and it was made in 1994, starring Charles Grodin, Kieran Culkin, and Mary Steenburgen, and it takes place one year after the original A Christmas Story. It was made for $15 million, and it grossed worldwide $17,000. Oof. Yeah, yeah. How about that? Okay, okay. Actually, Jesus. actually I mean, but the original <laughs> Christmas story didn't uh, gross that much either. That was one of those cult hits that was popular after theatrical, right? True, true. It, it, but it did gross in the green, like it did gross positively. So, uh, but let's let's talk about the actual sequel to A Christmas Story. I'm talking about 2012's A Christmas Story 2, which is about <laughs> Ralphie trying to buy a car at 15. This was a made-for-TV movie that none of you knew existed. I know that's true because there's only three reviews for it on Rotten Tomatoes. How about that? I'm sure they're all very, very glowingly positive. Oh, yes, I'm sure. I haven't read them. (laughs) (laughs) Just as good as the first, just like this one. Yeah. So with those rousing success stories, it makes perfect sense that someone thought they could go ahead and make a third sequel to the 1983 Christmas classic, A Christmas Story, A Christmas Story Christmas, which tells the tale of an adult Ralphie in December of 1973, 33 years after the original Ralphie has moved to Chicago with his loving wife, Sandy, and two kids, Mark and Julie. Ralphie has been taking a year off of work to write his first novel, but it's not going well. As the family prepares for Ralphie's parents to come visit for Christmas, Mrs. Parker calls to tell Ralphie, his father, a.k.a. the old man, has sadly passed away. The grief-stricken family makes their way to the old hometown in Ralphie's beat-up 1966 Plymouth to be with Mrs. Parker, who has received a large number of casseroles as condolence offerings. She gives Ralphie two tasks, write his father's obituary and take up his mantle of making Christmas special for the family. Hi, Jinx, 
and a plethora of callbacks ensue. I am TC DeWitt of the Screener Squad, and I am joined by Ryan. Ho, ho, ho. And Chad. What, is my mom here? Who are you calling a ho? <laughs> gentlemen, <laughs> gentlemen, gentlemen, was this movie on any of your wish lists? Uh, <laughs> to be honest, no. I mean, what what sequel is, you know, 30, 40 years after the fact? Just the numbers normally are never in favor of a sequel that's so far away from the original release of it. But it is played on TBS 24 hours on Christmas Day every day. So everybody knows this movie. 24 hours of a Christmas story, a Christmas staple for many households. Uh, now that streaming is so prevalent, I don't think. <laughs> there's a new generation of people growing up seeing this plane in the background the entire day of Christmas. But I grew up, and Chad, as you referenced, Ryan, I'm assuming you as well, a Christmas story was played on a loop for 24 hours. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it, it's its a classic. I feel like it's a classic for a reason. I know there's people who aren't into it, but I i, I love that movie. I mean, thats it's a its a staple for me. I used to keep it on uh, at, the, at our, our family's home for 24 hours on TBS. And you kind of just jump in and out and it's 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 still I feel like it still holds up. And there's a lot of things that are still really universal about it. Coming into this, I didn't feel like we necessarily needed a sequel. Another a sequel. Story. Come on. Be fair a to all those other third, success stories. Thank you. Thank you. A third sequel to a Christmas story. <laughs> I was I, I wasn't sure we needed it. But in, in the day and age where you're getting a lot of movies that get sequels that are that kind of like uh, disregard like the other sequels and are just uh, directly a sequel to the original. I guess it kind of makes some sense that HBO max kind of was like, uh, what properties do we got? Let's uh, let's dredge this one out, you know, which is kind of what this feels like. Well, Peter Billingsley reprises his role along with the actor who played Randy, Scott Farkas, Flick, uh, Schwartz, Flick. Yep. Yep. Schwartz. There's a lot of returning faces all these decades later. Peter Billingsley produced this with Vince Vaughn, who I fun fact that some people might not know. Peter Billingsley is like the silent third best friend to Vince Vaughn and John Favreau. Yeah, fact, he's produced a lot of stuff behind the scenes that you really don't yeah. even think about, you know? Yep. Peter Billingsley is in the first Iron Man. He's the one that is being yelled at by Jeff Bridges of Tony Stark, build this in a cave with a box of scraps. That That's Peter Billingsley right there. He's also in Far From Home, Spider-Man. So he's not gone anywhere. This isn't a child actor who disappeared. He just moved behind the camera. And yeah, he produced this. He was involved in the story. He lovingly crafted this with his friends to, to return to a very special thing for him and a very special thing for all of us. Uh, what, what, what the question is, though, is was that worth doing? Because honestly, I don't think this did everything that they probably wanted it to do. This is not, for me, a new Christmas classic by any stretch of the imagination. And it sucks because I think where this lives ultimately is 10 years ago plus when this still was syndicated and you could put this sequel after it because honestly, the way this ends, this movie ends it literally puts you back to the first movie. So it could give You're you right. a Christmas right. cycle of hell forever, <laughs> an infinite loop of a Christmas story <laughs> for those two sequels. Like when I saw that ending, I'm like, of course they ended it like that because if it did play in syndication, 
like you could just like, oh, well, what are, should we watch next? Well, they turned into kids at the end. So I guess you got to watch the first one. They got to watch the first one again. <laughs> yeah. Ryan, how about you? Where where'd your heart land on this? I don't know. I, I feel like this to me, it felt kind of like very straight to DVD sequel. Oh, yeah. And, and but like a good straight to DVD sequel, like like it, it, it felt. It, I just I don't I, I think that at the most positive thing I could say about it is it does. It doesn't just try to ape the original. There are a lot of references to it, but it, do, it does kind of try to be its own its own thing. And I can appreciate that on some level. But I just I don't think it has a lot of the same because like the one thing that I love about the first one is just Ralphie and his relationship with his with his dad and that kind of tension that's there and him wanting to to kind of make him happy, even though he's kind of just this angry, bitter old man. Rupert and there's a lot of yeah, like. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, there, there's so many things about that movie that are so universal that I feel like so many people can kind of relate to. And I don't really think this one has much of that. I don't think that we necessarily needed to see Ralphie's struggling as a writer uh, being older. I, I, I don't it, it's not I don't I didn't find it to be bad in any stretch for any uh, stretch of the imagination. But like I just I don't I just I don't know that we needed this. It doesn't seem like something that I'm ever going to go back to. But I would say if you like the original Christmas story, I I'd say maybe check it out. I, yeah, I don't know about the other two, but yeah, no, no don't. the the seventeen thousand dollar gross doesn't tell you everything you need to know about the sequel. <laughs> no, I I'm I'm right there with you. This does have some very made for TV vibes to it, but there's love behind it. You can see very clearly in what they're homaging, how they're homaging it. The closing credits do side-by-side comparisons of this movie and the original. Uh, It's really, really tapping into a lot of what makes that first one work, but just doesn't hold a candle to that, or I should say a sexy leg lamp to that original one. But one of the things that surprised me is that Peter Billingsley sounds remarkably like Gene Shepard. Like, I don't know yeah. how many packs of cigarettes he had to smoke to sound like that, but my goodness. I will say, I'm glad I just took a big bite of pizza while I'm about to say what Christmas I'm going to say. Christmas pizza. Christmas pizza. Yeah, make sure you clarify that. Yeah. Yeah. People are not going to like that. The way I see this movie, it's like how I see all my other favorite like Christmas movies. We were On the preamble, we were talking about favorite Christmas movies. Die Hard, obviously, best Christmas movie ever made. You know what I watch after Die Hard? Die Hard Hard 2. And (laughs) like it's not as good. Doesn't hold a handle, but it still has the same things. It's got some references that you you remember, but it's got some new characters and new friends. And again, I go back to if you just take these two movies, I think if you watch the first one and immediately watch the second one, you will enjoy it more than just randomly popping this in and be like, yeah, let's watch that second Christmas story Christmas. You know, I don't know. I kind of like this more than I think I should. And maybe it's because I'm in the holiday spirit this year and previous years I haven't been. TC's right. There was so much love put behind this. And I mean, I could see the visual shots that they were trying to recreate. This whole thing was an homage, but at the end credits, they give you like, hey, here's a shot for shot, you know, thing that we tried to do. And you could look at it and be like, oh, you were lazy and you just, you know, reshot the old movie. But they did do different things and they wanted to grab the nostalgia of the first as much as they could without beating us over the head with it. And you could argue that they did. For me personally, I don't I never met that threshold. I thought it was just enough pandering. 
And I think, Ryan, you were onto something, and Chad, you touched on it too, that while this is referencing and recreating some visuals of the first one story-wise, it's not the first one. Ralphie's not looking for a Red Rider BB gun. His kid isn't looking. There's, I mean, there's a soft reference that the kid does want, like a specific toy, but that's not the plot. They, they found this save Christmas idea. It's, it's a, uh, it is a love letter to that first one without just redoing the first one, which a lot of these thirty years late sequels tend to do to their detriment. This found some new stuff to do within the skeleton of that original. The there was one legitimate laugh out loud moment, and it is the oh fudge scene of the movie. In the original, the car breaks down, has to change the tire. That sequence in this one, which is not that similar enough, had the one legitimate laugh out loud where I I just exploded with a, a genuine laugh for the gag that caps off that whole section. And there's moments like that throughout this where, okay. I see what you're doing here. Oh, you kind of went in a different direction with it. That's that's nice. And I think that's what this movie is in general is nice. It's nice. And I think that's and I, I, I do like to this movie's credit. Uh, I think that's the best thing about it. I really do. I think that this could have easily just been his kids, you know, wanting some kind of very specific gift. And they, they sort of just retread the same story of the of the first one. But with his, with now with him in that like father figure sort of position. And I really appreciate that it isn't that, that it isn't that carbon copy. Uh, and I, I, without a doubt, I have to give it some credit for that. I guess it just, it didn't, it didn't click for me in the, in the same way. Uh, and you know, it's possible that like on a rewatch or something, it, it, it could. Um, I want to give a shout out to Julie Haggerty who plays the mom. She, uh, you might remember her as Elaine Dickinson from airplane. Yes, <laughs> she's a great comedic actress. She's like she's been around forever. And like I, I didn't see her face at first, but I heard her voice and I'm like, oh, God, mm-hmm. I had to look it up as well. I'm like, why do I know this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she was so great in this. I think, again, in the context of this movie, it's not like it's the greatest grandmother character ever written. But in the context of this movie, mm-hmm. I really liked her character, the the bit with the carolers, the Scrabble bit, like. Everybody had a place, at least in the family. It didn't feel like anybody, maybe the mom, I guess, a little bit. But even she had, like, her own little side story. But either way, it felt like everybody had equal time in the family. And though Ralphie is the focus because it is a Christmas story, the whole family has their own little arc in their own way. Yeah, and and in general, everyone's performance here is quite good. Honestly, Peter Billingsley is kind of the weakest actor in this whole thing. I think How dare the you? kids... <laughs> no, no offense intended, but he's playing almost a caricature of what an older Ralphie would be. Mm-hmm. He's tapping into that first movie style, but now he's in his 40s. Everyone else in this, like you said, you were just speaking of his mom. She's played very comedically well. The kids aren't obnoxious at all. Uh, all the little cameos in here of these guys who probably haven't acted since <laughs> since the 30 years ago uh, are also are also doing quite well. And I appreciate that because if this had the weak acting of the very canned Christmas movies that we get, I, this would, would have been a very difficult watch, but in general, I found it very charming. Um, honestly, there's not much more that could be say, said about this. So I'm just going to work it into my final thoughts here. The issue with this movie and all its fellow sequels is that the original one taps into a very sweet innocence of an era of a particular type of childhood, 
both in its production and the very fact that it's ingrained in so many of our lives and several generations lives for its love it or hate it existence on a 24 hour loop every Christmas and trying to recapture that magic so blatantly can't work. So it didn't, it, it went the route of homage as often as possible, as opposed to just straight up recreating. And that's nice. This movie isn't a classic, but it's sweet. And Chad, I think you're right. If you watch this back to back with the original one and not in a vacuum, you're going to find more joy in it, seeing these characters come back and telling a new story within the confines and skeleton of that original story. And credit to Peter Billingsley for taking this on and giving it his all and not being one of those child actors that fights against who they were and what made them. Like, I, I don't imagine Macaulay Culkin making a new Home Alone anytime soon. But really, it's it's just not the same as the original, so just take that into account if you're going to indulge in this. A Christmas story means that much to you watch the original not this one but overall nice i'm gonna give this a right down the middle christmas story christmas i'm i'm gonna give a christmas story christmas a right down the middle five out of ten shirley temples an adult man's drink yeah i uh i i guess i was trying to think more and more about like why this doesn't hit home for me as much as the first one and i think i i feel like uh, the first Christmas story movie, it, it puts me in the perspective of, of it puts you in the perspective of a kid and it, it kind of makes me feel like a kid again. It like there are so many things that are way more stressful to you, like getting a toy or getting a gift that you really want or, you know, dealing with your dad. Or, and, and, and I feel like there are so many little conflicts in that movie that they play up. And it just brings me back to that time and it makes me feel like a kid again. And it, it you feel Ralphie's like stress and, and, and those little those just those little conflicts that feel way bigger when we're younger. And I guess I just I feel like this movie, even with him and his children, it doesn't. They, they don't really have any, at least from what I from from what I saw, they don't really have any new conflicts that kind of took that place and felt as big as like him not getting the what he wanted for Christmas or like just getting along with his dad. I, I feel like there there really weren't any that rose to that same level for me. And I, I, I think that's partially why I didn't really feel the same way about this. But like um, like like you said, Chad, I, I think that there are a lot of like charming things that do work about this movie. And I think that it is worth a watch, like with your, especially with your family. If, if your, if your family always watches a Christmas story together, they might also really like it. It's, there's nothing. I, I, I kind of just, I felt very, very like kind of middle of the road about this. Like, like you said, TC, I, I didn't, uh, nothing like bothered me. There was nothing that I thought was like cringy or off-putting or anything, or it, it did feel like there was care put into this, but I guess I just, for whatever reason, just didn't really connect with it as much. Um, I'm also going to give this five out of 10 ounces of Ovaltine. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> I don't know. I'm feeling giddy about this movie. I had plenty of laugh out loud moments and it's, you know, not that I have to be ashamed because TC only had one laugh out mo- loud moment and Ryan had none. So I should feel like nothing like that. <laughs> um, I, I, maybe I was just in the right mood. I feel and and maybe it's like the, you, you guys have little bits of praises that I keep on picking out. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, these are all the things we should be saying about this movie. There was no way it was going to live up to the original. Right. There's no way. There's no way. I'm going to say it again. There's mm-hmm. no way if you can get that into your head that it really doesn't matter. You'll enjoy this movie more. And the fact that you know the first movie so much, maybe you haven't even seen the first movie, you know, in order. You've seen it like me where 
I would see the ending first and then later on Christmas Day, I'd see the middle. And then by the time I went to bed, oh, it's playing again because it's, you know, 10 o'clock at night. It still has power. It upsets me that it's with HBO Max because they're they're in a whole hell of a lot of hot water right now. And (laughs) all I'm saying is watch it now before in two years. They're going to be like, what Christmas story, Christmas movie? I don't know what you're talking about. It'll be right there on the shelf with a Christmas story, too, and my summer story. With their tax (laughs) write-offs. Anyways, uh, I'm going to give it... I don't want to give it to... No, I am. am. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10 phone calls at the bar. Oh, oh, oh. A good gag. I've straight up seen that. That was my favorite joke. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely my favorite joke. I I grew not that like my parents took me to the bar all the time, but like, you know, sometimes they have softball league and hey, they're going to take me to the bar afterwards. It's Wisconsin. So nobody cares. They literally give me a kitty cocktail and tell me just (laughs) to hang out like that was literally parts of my childhood. And the fact that somebody called the phone and is looking for that person, that that whole the the sucking the air out of the room feel. Don't tell I'm here. Don't tell my wife I'm here. I, I, since you did mention that HBO is doing what it's doing or whatnot, I do want to say if you want a true spiritual sequel to A Christmas Story that gets all the fun and innocence of youth and that desire, uh, it's set in a different era that you might have some nostalgia for. It's also on HBO. It's called 8-Bit Christmas, and it is fantastic. It came out last year as one of their Christmas offerings, and that feels like a genuine, true spiritual sequel to a Christmas story. Can't recommend that one enough. That one gets a glowing review from me. 